Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you once again from the wood shop at DTM Enterprises. Tonight we've got uh, Shane here with us. He's going to uh, sit down and be uh, the next guy in line to uh, add his tape to the library. Um, just totally juiced to have him here. Uh, known Shane for a couple years now, close to anyways, and, uh, and, and really has made a huge impact on my personal recovery as uh, we've become somewhat of a... Uh, uh, a level of brothers that that you know and again i hate to put anything in any kind of levels or put it on shelves and stuff but to definitely when you meet certain people you uh develop you gel with them at a level that you know it's you just know something is up from the beginning so that's been the way it has been with shane so uh welcome to the show man how's it going today going all right man uh yeah, just happy to be here. Nervous as usual. Yeah, know. it is nervous. Anytime I get a mic in front of me or a camera, I'm always nervous. So, you know, it is what it is. But I know I'm here for a reason, and that's how I get over it is to do more of it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like sitting and looking at it a bunch of faces. I actually am a little bit more nervous like that. Sitting here yeah. just with a tape recorder, uh, I was a little bit. I had a lot more nerves built up before, but the more and more I do it, the less and less the nerves for this exactly. is happening. And I also kind of wonder about, like, uh, if we couldn't maybe start, maybe, I'm going to, I have two opportunities to speak this month. Nice. Uh, next Tuesday, and then uh, the last Wednesday of the month for Donnie's birthday. Nice. For Donnie's uh, 13th birthday, I guess. <laughs> there we did the last name thing. We're going to try not to do last names. Uh, I'll clip that out, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And man, it's hard not to do because we really don't. Uh, yeah, because we're just talking normal. At some right level, now. we don't really <laughs> honor that. And when you're looking like Donnie, who? Oh, yeah, that. So, uh, and I don't know how to get. Is what it is. No big deal. But I get to speak for him. But I was wondering, like, you know, could I not maybe begin to start like micing some of us up when we're speaking? Mm-hmm. You know, and add that to the library too. These actual talks that we make. You oh, know, yeah. uh, I don't know if that. You know, how kosher that would be with like the club or whoever wherever right. you're at. Yeah, but uh, but I'm definitely going to think about it, you know, and really um, I can play around with like recording it. All right. On like setting my set my iPhone down on the podium in front of me. Right. And and pick it up and record it and see, you know, yeah, maybe do a story. little testing and see do what you want. How, as long as uh, nobody else is in there. You right. Can, you know, do yep. what you want with your own story. Yep. Right. So uh, actually thinking about doing that. Well, you're here to tell your story tonight, so uh, we should probably get rolling on that. Uh, I kind of do like the way we just open it up and start talking. I like these things to be a little bit more conversational than... uh, For sure. Instead of just... Just ready, set, go. Blow the whistle, you know, and you're... uh, I was born on a dark and stormy Wednesday night. Right. Uh, So let's just uh, think a good way to always start these things anyway is uh, start with your sobriety date, and uh, and then I'll just... uh, you go where where you're led from there. All right, all right. My sobriety date is ten three sixteen, and uh, very grateful for that day. And uh, that day was the day that that I decided that I wanted to tell my own story, and that's why I'm here today, which is pretty cool. I was thinking about that on the way over here because on that day I was uh, on the verge of pulling the trigger and um, killing myself because I had nowhere else to go in my eyes. And I, I didn't want to be here anymore because I didn't I didn't know about uh, the 12 steps or anything like that, you know. And my pride, and my ego was, uh, you know, I can't I can't tell these people that I'm an alcoholic and addict, you know. I I couldn't do that. But at the same time, 
I didn't want to kill myself and then somebody else tell my story and then find out all the lies and everything that I had been doing because I wasn't that person that I was at that moment when I was going to kill myself, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah, uh, let's see. I guess I'll go to the very beginning, you know, I was, uh, my, my birth date, birth date is 2877, um, 40, coming up on 42 years old now, um, I was almost 40 before I got this thing, but, uh, they're late than never. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes, uh, the, um, I sometimes find myself looking back and regretting that, that time, but that, that journey had to take place in order to get what I have today. You exactly. know? And, and I would do it all. I'd do the same thing over again to get what I have today. Exactly. Cause we had to get, we had to do what we did to get to where we're at today to yeah. find what we found. Cause what we found is truly amazing. Um, it's what I've been searching for my whole life, which is happiness, you know, that true, genuine happiness, that void in our soul that was empty, you know, yeah. it's finally full and overflowing. Love it, man. Um, uh, when I was little, um, my parents, they drank. Um, I, I know my dad drank whiskey a lot, you know, always had a cup in his hand, you know, you could always smell it. it was all, the smell was always around, you know, yeah. bourbon. You know, Sigram 7 was his favorite. But um, uh, I, I know at a young age I started bearing all these resentments, you know, right off the bat. And, and I, could, I went back and thought about those resentments since then and, and got rid of all those things. But, man, I started really young at resenting my parents. And uh, they were really, really strict. Um, but they were just doing the best they did or could with um, the teachers that they had had and uh, trying to protect me. I can see that now today, you know, but um, I, I couldn't see it then by any means. Not, not just form resentments. <laughs> and um, and you didn't even know what that term meant. Yeah, probably. yeah I, didn't know, I didn't know what it meant. Nothing, man. And uh, um, start building them up at an early age. And I didn't know how to express myself or talk about things like I do today. And, I didn't find that out until about two years ago how to how to do these things that I do today and be vulnerable and put myself out there and things like that. And I just tucked everything inside and thought I'd be okay. But yep. you know. kept on stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it. Yeah, and I got know, real. This is just what everybody does, you know. Yeah. I mean, what else? If you don't have any other tools, what what other choice really do you have to do that other than just to like knuckle down and tough it out, yeah. right? Yeah. Big boys don't cry. Yep. Uh, you know, man up. Uh, yeah, and I tried all that. the faulty programming that we were served to, yeah. that, you, that just causes us to get sicker and sicker. And you build up this wall, you know, and you hide behind it. You don't want to come out behind it, from behind it, you know. And um, so, uh, living with my parents, you know, until I was uh, 18, 19 years old, um, came the time. I, I never did drugs or alcohol or anything before this, before I was 19. Uh, not even smoke a cigarette, nothing, you know, I was pretty an scared. adult by the time you got, yeah, to... exactly. By the time I got to do these things, because I was so scared of the consequences of what my parents would do if I, if I did do it, you know, as far as that goes, uh, they, they hardly let me do anything as far as going out to places and things. They were just protecting me. I can see that now, you know, they didn't want me to go down that path. You How'd know? you do in school, high school? Uh, I did good. Um, I was on the honor roll and things really? like that. Wow. Yeah. And, cool. uh, not that I'm surprised that I'm just, yeah, no, I mean, I, 
I did not like school at all. Most uh, of us are actually pretty intelligent. I yeah, mean, yeah. Unless I mean, we apply ourselves. I was in, playing sports or anything like that. No, I wanted to. I wanted to play football. That was one of my resentments. Yeah, <laughs> not getting yeah. to play. Yeah, not getting to play football, man. That was I wanted to play football so bad, and I I really did have a major resentment towards my parents for not letting me play football yeah. because I was really good at it. Yeah, you uh, look like you would be. <laughs> I didn't always look like it either. I well, was no, I, but you're still solid. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you were always. Yeah, and I can solid. fast, and yeah, I could, I could take some hits too, and I could run, man, I could run and catch. I mean, it was, we'd play neighborhood football, and you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be playing with the guys that play on a football team, and you know, just waylaying them, you know, yeah. and, and uh, it got back to the football coach actually, and um, he told me to join the team. He wanted me to join the team, and I was like, I can't. My parents want me. He said, Well, lie to them. Yep. That's how bad they wanted me on the team. They told me to lie to my parents so yeah. I could play. That's how hard to get away with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told him. He said, tell me you're on the chess team. I was like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, let's see, where was I going with that? So, uh, the night, we yeah. were at the 19 or so that you yeah, started. Yeah, that, that, and, you, you know, up using. until that point, I hadn't done any of those things. I had, I mean, I remember sitting on my grandfather's lap when I was a kid watching the U.K. play. You know, he was a big U.K. fan, and he'd be sipping his Pat's Blue Ribbon with – you know, salt on the rim, and he'd give me a sip and things like that. But, right. You know, nothing at all. I had no attraction towards it, really, you know. But um, when I was 19, uh, my dad shot my mom, um, and uh, that was uh, Labor Day of 96. And um, my dad said it was an accident. My mom said it wasn't. Um, and I, my mom spent six days in the ICU, and um, – pulled through you know um and then in that time in my life um to be honest i didn't care if my dad went to jail for the rest of his life and i didn't care if my mom died or not wow um that that's how bad i resented them you know and um i don't today you know but uh, right. back then i did and uh i took that as a a free pass to <laughs> here's my chance to get away with anything now you know yeah. i can do whatever i want now be my own person yeah, y'all done and, pulled a big stunt, and that freed me up. Yeah, yeah. You can't to do whatever I want to do. Y'all can't say shit now. Yeah, you know. And um, so uh, yeah, I started dabbling with drinking and uh, doing drugs, and um, joined a gang. Um, yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> um, I was in the gang life for about a year, and uh, just doing whatever I wanted, you know. And just running that life of uh, lifestyle of drinking and drugs and fighting and all that stuff, you know. And um, man, it, it brings back so many memories when you're when you're talking about this stuff and feelings and emotions of, of different times. Um, that the day that um, my my dad did shoot my mom the night before, I was I was already starting to dabble with. Uh, once I turned 18, I was already starting to dabble with um, drinking a little bit and, and smoking weed and stuff like that and uh, um, talking to the gangs and things like that. But I remember the one night my um, brother had texted me and said some another gang was uh, messing with him at his house, uh, apartment, and uh, he, had, he said he needed some help and was messing with his stepdaughter. And... Um, wouldn't leave him alone, so I was at a club, and I went in a club and yelled to my friends, and yee, yee, and they all came, and we left and went out to that complex where they were at. And um, 
This is the apartment complex your brother lived in? Yeah, yeah. How old, about how old was the stepdaughter? Um, she was like 15, yeah. something like that. Yeah, and um, so we go over there and go looking for these guys and uh, causing all kinds of ruckus, running around there, screaming and yelling, cussing. And um, I had a gun in my hand tied with a blue bandana around it, so I wouldn't lose it that day. And um, just in case something happened. And uh, something told me, man, I need to get out of there. And I left. And no more than I left, there was like 10 cop cars that showed up and three ghetto birds, you know, helicopters that showed showed up right after I'd left. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad I got out of there. But um, that next day is when I got the text from my younger brother from my grandparents' house that uh, I, I need 911, you know, and I need to come home. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, you just need to come to Grind Papa's. Okay. So the whole way there, I was thinking, you know, my brother's dead. My older brother's dead. Something happened to him. So I was already thinking about revenge from the moment I left there to go to my grandparents' house because as soon as I found out what it was, I was leaving to go do whatever, you know. And um, I get to my grandparents' house, and my grandfather meets me at the back door, and I said, what's going on? He said, well, there's been a shooting. And I said, what happened? He said, your mom's been shot. I said, by who? And he said, your dad. I was like, wow. You know, it just hit me. And uh, I was like, man, why, how? You know, all these questions, and they couldn't answer them at the time, you know. And um, my grandparents took me down to the hospital to see my mom, and she was in ICU, and she could barely talk. And So she was shot once? Yeah, just once, but it went in. Um, yeah, I don't want it once, but yeah. I, mean, I just was curious. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a, a stub nose uh, 44. Woo! Um, it went into her hand, outer hand, um, into her chest, uh, missed her heart, outer armpit, inner arm, and outer arm. Wow. Yeah, one shot. And um, the story goes, yeah, yeah, the, it's a long story it's about that. It's one shot, but yeah. that's, you know, that's plugging a lot of holes in a lot of places to leak and a lot yeah. of damage. Yeah, it was. For it one was, bullet. Yeah, it was. Um that's kind of a long story, <laughs> and that's not part of my yeah. my story I'm telling today. But um, uh, so yeah, I went went and saw her, and uh, she told me that my dad had tried to kill her because uh, she wanted a divorce, mm. and um, and she had told him that day and things like that, and she wanted me to go and get all the guns out of the house, and he's probably going to come after you next and things like that, and. I didn't know, you know, I was scared. I didn't know. So I went home and got all the guns out of my house and, and uh, loaded up the car and took them to my grandfather's house who um, my mother had been estranged from for like six or seven years. And um, I hadn't seen them either. I mean, they wouldn't let us see them. And um, I took them over there. And, um, yeah, I got to see my grandfather again, which was pretty cool, and get to start a relationship up with him again before he passed. But my my um, my grandmother had already passed away several years prior, and I was able to go to her funeral, but that's only, you know, uh, my mom didn't even go hmm. to her, her funeral. Wow. Because you know, of her resentments. Yeah. You know, and... Um, Man, that's something you can never get back. Never, never. I, I'm thankful I was able to at least go, you know, say, yeah. goodbye, say my goodbyes, and I'm grateful my mother let me do that, you know. So, um, man... So then, uh, yeah, I really started 
drinking a lot, um, doing a lot of drugs, different drugs, you know, um, I was smoking, um, crack. I didn't even know I was smoking crack, but then my friends were putting it into blunts and rolling it up with weed and on dank blunts. And, um, I didn't know I hear the popping and stuff like that. And I, I was that? I was just seeds, you know, and it, that stuff never affected me as far as, um, what affects certain people the way crack does. But, um, I just, I never, I didn't, I wouldn't even get half the weed smoking that stuff, you know. Huh. Uh, I didn't get any kind of buzz. I remember the first time I even hit a joint, I never got high. First time I drank, I never got drunk. First time I ever had sex, I didn't finish. Yeah. <laughs> all those, all those first things. It, but I still did them again anyway, you know, my, you know. I didn't get drunk the first time and still drank, you know, again. Didn't get high the first time, I still smoked again. Um, wasn't until about 2001 is where I got kind of introduced into pain pills, and that's my DOC. Um, that's what got me to where I am today uh, in my eyes. Um, drug of choice. Yeah, drug of choice. Way. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Just, uh, never know who might be listening. Right, know yeah. What that is what, what's, what's Doc? <laughs> but... Um, so uh, my my dad in 2001 was in a wreck. I worked for my family business, and me and my dad worked together. And um, uh, he had gotten in a wreck, and he had pain pills all the time, Darvacets, in the truck. And uh, I remember the first time I took one, I was at a job site, and uh, I went out to the truck, and I was just experimenting. I didn't know what they do to me or nothing. I just took one, and, man, I got a lot of work done that day. And I liked it, you know, and it made me feel good. And uh, I knew from right there that I liked them. I liked them a lot, and it made me feel good. It made me feel different than the way I'd always felt. Just, you know, I, it made me feel happy, you know. Filled that void I, I had, you know. And, uh, you know, we say in the beginning, it was fun in the beginning. Well, it, it was fun in the beginning because it made me feel better than what I had been feeling. Because um, I'd always felt like I didn't fit in anywhere, you know, and that helped me feel like I fit in. Uh, even though people didn't know I was taking it, but, you know, the, the effects of the pill made me feel like I, I fit in, not any kind of, like, peer pressure or anything like that. Like, oh, I'm, I think I'm cool because, you know, I'm doing it with them, you know. Um, and then uh, I, I didn't start, like, start off, you know, <laughs> at the gates taking a whole bunch of them, you know. I, it was just one every now and again, you know. And for years it was like that. And then um, I ended up getting into a uh, um, an automobile accident in 08, and um, I had a head-on collision with another car, and I, I had an icy patch on the road. And uh, I'd actually taken um, some pain pills that day from my dad and, and taken them, you know. Oh, really? And, and it, that freaked me out when I got in the wreck. I was like, oh, my God, if they find out, you know, am I going to get a, you know, charge for, for anything or whatever? And um, uh, luckily, you know, it was, you know, black ice that day, and that's what happened. But, um I had seven herniated discs and three bulging discs at that time from that accident. Um, and uh, I, they put me on pain meds. And um, I, I, I didn't even know it, it happened at first, you know, when, when the wreck happened. Um, I jumped out of the car. Actually, no, I didn't jump out. I had to climb out the window because I couldn't even open the doors on my uh, Dodge Ram 1500 because the whole front end had smashed so far back, you know. And the doors jammed shut. Doors jammed shut. The window busted out. I was actually uh, in the passenger seat. Oh, were you? <laughs> Ended up in the passenger seat. Yeah, it was all slow motion. I remember it like right no now. No seatbelts? No seatbelt. Yeah, knocked me on my boots. Really? Hard to hit. Yeah, my boots came off. Um, 
ended up in the passenger seat and the window was blown out on that side and that's how I got out I climbed out that window and ran over to the car to make sure that the other guy was okay and his whole front end was pushed up in his lap of his car you know I was like and he was knocked out and I didn't ever get to see or talk to him but I know he lived and everything like that but um, I didn't go to the hospital immediately until later and then come to find out you know they put me on pain meds right away because they, I was telling them I was hurting. And then um, I did my MRI, and that's when I found out all the big stuff. And, you know, then they started giving me more pain meds and things like that. And I started doing physical therapy, got all worked out but one. Um, and um, I did not want to do back surgery because it scared me. You know, I didn't want to end up messed up the rest of my life because of it. So um, I, I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And uh, doing with the, with the pain meds and physical therapy and things like that, and um, I was taking them as prescribed, you know. But I knew I liked them. I knew I needed them, you know. Yeah. But nobody else did. Nobody else knew that I needed them like I needed them. Um, uh, my wife didn't know. Nobody, you know. And um, so uh, I'm still drinking on top of that too, you know, all day every day, pretty much, you know. Not all day. Um, I drank when I got off work, you know. I didn't drink through the day, nothing like that, unless it was the weekend or days off or whatever. Yeah, I'd, I drank all day on those right, days. Yeah, you know. Same here. Fun. Yeah. It was fun to yeah. me. I always yeah. kind of prided myself that I didn't drink at work. No, oh, yeah. And that wasn't necessarily true because I can't say I never did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't <laughs> but, say I but never But that was did, not yeah. a habit that I developed was drinking in the morning and being drunk at work. I exactly, didn't, I yeah. didn't do that. Like, on the way home, I'd grab a beer in yeah. the work truck on yeah. the way uh, back to the shop Something like that, but... And there were certainly times I arrived at work the next morning from last night that oh, yeah. I probably would have blown illegal. Definitely, uh, definitely. I mean, it was, that was very common. Yeah. And most of the time, I waked and baked, too. I would yeah. Yeah, smoke too. on my yeah, way to work. To help get over that. Yep. Yep, that's what I would do to get over that. Yep. Same thing. <laughs> um, then, uh, let's see, 2015, I went ahead and had back surgery because um, I, I did like 30 epidurals and things like that to try to uh, try to do the pain yeah try to do anything and everything except surgery and then um, I always had that too you know there was a I saw enough people around me who had surgeries my mom was one of them that had surgeries that went bad mm-hmm you know, were you know not bad really, but they certainly weren't. It didn't look like an attractive it solution. Yeah, it to wasn't me. the optimum and, solution. And somehow, yeah. you know, I stayed away from that, even though uh, it was on the table a couple times. Of you know, that that was a we could we could do some surgery and fix that for you. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, um, I went ahead and had that surgery, and the day of the surgery, like after I got done, I felt better and I my back as far as that goes I, I felt better than i'd felt in i don't know how long you know immediately immediate relief i was like oh my god thank god you know and um i said well maybe i can get off these pills you know and things like that and um so they gave me more pills at that time because i just had surgery and things like that so i was taking those and then i ran out real quick and it's like oh man and then that pain came back but i don't think it was really there i think i more or less manifested it through my thoughts of my disease, you know, um, I need these things. Right, it'll tell you, know? you you're hurting. Yeah, they do. They'll tell you they're hurting. And I, I mean, I really did. I felt pain. Yeah, <laughs> nobody could convince me yeah. otherwise. Yeah, know, yeah, I, I could feel like it could make me cry pain, you know, that kind of pain. It yeah. was weird. And um, so uh, I kept continued using pain meds. And uh, then uh, around... 
a couple of months after that, um, my neighbor had asked my wife. She's like, Shane, have any pain meds? She said, yeah, why? She said, well, I, I, I hurt my back, and I, I needed a couple, and I didn't know if I could borrow a couple. I can get them back to them. And uh, so she called me up and asked me about it. And uh, when I told my wife this story, too, I told her, I was like, hey, I'm going to tell you this, but don't don't think that this you had any part of this. This is not your fault by any means. And um, You told her this when? Uh uh, after the fact, you know, Back this, then, after sometime. I got sober, after I got sober, I told her this, you know, cause I was telling her this story about how I started to buy them. Um, which was that neighbor. Um, I would, uh, my wife had called and said, Hey, when you get home, can you give her a couple? And I was like, yeah, I will. You know? And so I got home and uh, I gave her a couple and she's like, I'll give them back to you tomorrow. I was like, okay. So the next day, sure enough, she brought me Brought him, brought him back, and it wasn't the same kind of like, hey, this is what I gave you. So, oh, yeah, it is. Look, here, pillfinder.com, and showed me that they're the same thing. They're like, well, okay. Didn't think anything else So they just it. didn't vi- visually look like the same thing. Exactly, was... but it was the same thing. So, right. You know, hydrocodone tins, which were my favorites. Yeah. Um, so um, then uh, a couple of days later, she asked again, and I gave her some more, and she gave them back. And I started wondering, I was like, I don't think she's, you know, getting a prescription i think she's buying these things so i was at that point about four or five days shy of getting my script you know because i'd taken a few too many and uh because i was getting 180 a month and um i was like four or five days short and i didn't want to go through those withdrawals so that day i was like uh hey um you you buy those things she said yeah why you need some i said yeah i do and um she said well how many and i told her and she got them for me and had me the next day i like all right and that started yeah that started the thing where okay so at the end of the month uh i'll be okay you know and um that's when i started taking more and more and more and more and it led down the road to um 60 a day unreal at the end of my madness yeah i was taking 60 hydrocodone tins a day on top of drinking and smoking weed you know and um so Leading up to my sobriety date, a couple of weeks prior, um, these things started happening, these signs. Uh, I had tried to quit several times. Like, we'd go on vacation, and uh, that's when I'd always try to do it because um, I would be away from being able to get any more. But it always happened that the day of um, us leaving, my script would be up for, you know, getting filled again. So... Um, I would always get it refilled, and I'd have 180. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this last through the week. I'm going a, I'm to a wing myself off these things, and I'll be good, you know. And uh, sure enough, as soon as I take that first one, I was like, well, the faster I take them, the quicker I can quit. So I would be done with that bottle of 180 in like two days. So, yeah. And then I'd start with the withdrawals. But they weren't as bad when I was on vacation, you know, because I didn't have all the stress of, I have to do this. I have to do that. It was, you know, I'm, I can drink and have fun, you know, kind of deal and not have too many responsibilities. I was at the lake or the ocean. So, um, um, I would just drink all day and I would drink heavily then. And that's when I was kind of realizing, Hey, you might be an alcoholic too, you know, because I could drink 30 Bud Lights, you know, in a day. And I could drink vodka on top of that too, especially when I was going through the withdrawals and stuff. I would drink, you know, have gallon of vodka too. Wow, you know, there's a lot, a lot. 
Um, my, my body, for some reason, has a high tolerance for things. Um, uh, before I go into that, yeah, I want to tell that story. Um, I had a, a knee uh, swell up on me. And um, I thought, oh, boy, uh, that's water underneath the knee. I could probably get some pain meds out of that, you know. Yeah. So um, I was letting it go a little bit, letting it go a little bit, because it really, really wasn't bothering me, you know. And um, so one day it got to the point where my leg swelled pretty good and uh, got stiff where I couldn't even bend my knee. Mm. I was at work that morning. I was working at Nolan Lake for a friend. And uh, I was like, man, uh, I think I need to go to the doctor or the hospital when I get back. So uh, I got back in town that day. I went straight to the doctor, and I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to you know, get some more meds. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I went there. He's like, ooh, you have a staph infection. I was like, what? He's like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, I was like, man, my back's really been bothering me lately, you know, and things like that, and, you know, trying to throw it out there. And he's like, here, he gave me a script of 60. He's like, you need to go straight to the hospital. Okay, so I went by Walgreens and dropped off my prescription. Tried to wait around. They were like, it's going to be two hours. I was like, well, I'll go to the hospital, see what they say, and then I'll pick them up on the way home, you know. And so uh, I, I go into the hospital, and uh, my temperature was like 104. Um, and my leg was swelled up three times the size it should be. Um, mm. Yeah, and I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it, really. I mean, it wasn't – I knew something was wrong, though. I mean, there was red streaks going down my leg and everything, and – and um, so they uh, they get me in there, and I'm telling them I'm in a lot of pain because I didn't have any pills. And, and uh, so they start giving me pain pills. And I'm like, this stuff isn't working, this stuff isn't working. And they then they finally gave me Dilaudid. And uh, that helped a little bit, you know, take the edge off. And, um, and then the next day, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're, they started giving me – they had two IVs in me, um, giving me all kinds of fluids for MRSA staph infection. And um, – so uh, they're they're trying to get it to go down, trying to get it to go down. They couldn't couldn't get anything to work, and I'm telling them I'm, I'm more pain and more pain, you know. And they got me on the highest dose of Dilaudid they could give me. And um, every two hours, I had to ask for it, of course, but I, I'd get mad at them. I was like, why can't you just bring it in here every two hours, you know? And it, and then they were like, why? I, I don't. He shouldn't need this much, you know. But I wasn't gonna give up the goat, you know. I wasn't gonna tell nobody. And um, so. Uh, then they came in and um, they wrapped my leg one day. And I was there for six days with this. So they wrapped my leg with an ace bandage. The next day, the um, infectious disease doctor came in. She said, who, who wrapped your leg? I said, the ortho. She went out and came out. A little nurse came in. She's like, ooh, she's mad. I'm like, what? They're like, they shouldn't have done that. That spreads the, that can spread the MRSA. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she came back and said, you're going in for surgery tonight. And the whole time I was worried about that because I was like, if I have to have surgery, I'm going to feel it. <laughs> yeah. Because this, the pain stuff that they give you does not cover that because of my tolerance. Was so, you know, I was taking 60 hydrocodones a day at that time. Yeah. So I, I was freaking out. So I was, you know, telling them I was in a lot of pain, just trying to get them to give me anything else that they could give me to numb that pain, you know, that I was going to be feeling. I was trying to see. And um, so they went in and did surgery that night. And, um, uh, I remember waking up from a surgery, and I said, there it is. And I started crying. I was like, oh, because I could feel everything, man. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And I just had to feel it, you know, and I did not want to feel it. It was bawling, man. And um, they would give me the lot, and they wasn't doing nothing, you know. And it was just taking the edge off of the withdrawals I was going through from not getting my hydrocodone tins. And uh, 
So I was there for another day or two, and I was like, I'm ready to go. You know, when can I go home? They're like, well, we can't send you home on this stuff. You know, you got to wing, they, we got to wing you off. I was like, well, I'll stop taking it now. I'm like, what? I was like, I want to get out of here. Let's go. Cause I wanted to get what I yeah, needed. Right. I was self-administered. That way that makes me feel better, you know? So, um, they stopped giving me everything for two days. I'd sit there with nothing. And, um, finally came in and said, yeah, uh, they had somebody come in and teach me how to walk, not teach me how to walk again because they had to cut my, my knee open. They had 14 staples in my leg and I couldn't walk on it. I wasn't supposed to walk on drive, nothing, you know? And, uh, that day they said I was going home. So, um, that evening I'm like, okay, you can go home. Is it right here? I said, yeah. I said, well, where are they? I said, it's me. Like, oh, you can't drive. I said, watch me. And I walked out of the hospital. I wasn't supposed to walk. I walked out of the hospital, got in my truck, drove straight to Walgreens got my prescription and popped five of them immediately and I felt better immediately drove home um my wife and kids were out of town at the time because uh, I didn't they couldn't visit me at the hospital because I was in isolation anyway so they went to we were already going to be in Birmingham anyway so I told them to go on a go because they couldn't see me anyway you know and I was going to be okay you know and so I got home and took some more pain meds after I got home and um I got a plumbing call a work call a guy uh, needed a job done, and I needed some money because I knew I was going to need more by tomorrow, you know, and I didn't have any money at the time because I've been off work for six days. So uh, I went and did this job, climbed up on a freaking ladder, and cut a pipe and fixed it with, seven, you know, 14 staples in my leg. Wow. Yeah, you know, just walked out of the hospital and, and <laughs> just to get some more money to get more pills the next day because I owed my guy a lot, you know, so – um, that, that's true madness right there. You know, that, yeah, that shows how crazy this disease can make you, yeah. you know, to do those things. And, um, I didn't want to leave that part of the story out because it, to me, that's just madness. You know, when I look back at it, I was like, look how crazy you were, man. What were you thinking? You know, but I didn't know any better. I didn't have any other way to find relief, you know? So, uh, then, um, few months later is when uh, the thing started happening to lead me up to quit was um, I was at a customer friend's house and uh, doing some things for her and she started saying all these nice things about me and how much she loved me and cared about me and thanked me for all the things I do for her and how nice I was and honest and things and I wasn't yeah you know and it was cutting me man it felt like somebody's taking an ice pick in my heart dude yeah. Every time I tell that story, dude, I, yeah, I feel it, man. Get emotional, dude, because it hurt. And I had to walk away. I had to walk out of that house that day. And I went home and, you know, doped up <laughs> to make myself feel better. Yep, bury it. Yeah, bury it. <laughs> Once yep. again. And then uh, a week later, um, and uh, I was dope sick as hell. I didn't have any money to get some more, and I needed some more. And... Um, uh, uh, I did, just did a big job for a customer of mine, and I called her up, and I knew her really well. I know her. She's like a second mom. Told her I needed a check. She's like, well, come out and get it. I was like, okay. So when I get there, I was like, look, I got the flu. I, I shouldn't come in. She's like, come in. And I sat down and was talking with her, and she was like, Shane, you shouldn't need this money this quick. What's going on? I was like, oh, we just got back from vacation and, you know, things like that. Just a bullshit story. She right. saw right through it. But Making stuff up. Yeah, and I was like, People are starting to see differences, you know. They're they're starting to notice because my wife, my wife was always asking me what's wrong, what's wrong, but I couldn't tell her, you know. No. And then uh, the next week, um, 
my wife uh, was going upstairs to get one of the kids' piggy banks to um, check out something in, inside it. I was like, oh, my God, because I would go and steal money on my kids' piggy banks to pay for my drugs, and I'd put it back, you know, and I hadn't put it back yet, you know. And uh, so they usually had about five or $600 in each of their piggy banks because all the money they got for their birthdays and things like that, we'd put in a piggy bank. They didn't spend their money, you know. We were saving it for them. And so um, – as we're going up there, I'm freaking out, and my wife opens it up. She's like, where's the money? I was like, look, um, work was slow this week. I took it out. Uh, I was going to put it back in. You know, I'll put it back in this Friday. No big deal, right? You know, she's like, no. Yeah. She's like, you deal. stole from the kids. I'm like, I didn't steal from the kids. I look back now and see that I was stealing from my kids, dude. Stealing from my kids, man, to pay for my drugs. And um, she's like, what is going on with you, blah, blah, blah. We're sitting on the bed. I just remember the whole time inside every ounce of my soul is screaming, tell her. I mean, it was so freaking loud, dude. And I was like, uh, it was just like right on the, right the tip of my tongue of, of saying, you know, I'm an addict. But I couldn't do couldn't it, do man. It. Couldn't do it. And I could, I could tell she started to let up a little bit. And I was like, oh, I got this. I got this. I'll get it under control. I got it. I'll quit tomorrow, blah, 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 you know. No. So um, the next week, um, she uh, was going to go down to see her mamma in Birmingham. And uh, so her, my sister-in-law, my two kids, and my mother-in-law all went down there. And she didn't even invite me to go. You know, she's like, why don't you take this weekend off? go to the woods she knew I liked to hunt you know she's like why don't you go to the woods that was my happy place at that time you know go to the woods go hunting you don't have any responsibility and get your mind right you know something's not right so um as soon as they left I went to my dope man's house and gave him $1,600 for 200 pills um got two 30 packs of Bud Light and some weed and went back to my house and um then that was Friday evening the next day I do vaguely remember this that uh my friend called and wanted to know if I wanted to come over and watch the game. They'd pick me up. And I said, yeah. I went over, and I remember nodding off over there, and they had said something to me about, you know, you're all right? I was like, yeah, I'm good, you know, and took me home. And then Sunday afternoon, um, I'm out of everything. All 200 of those pills are gone. Both 30 packs are gone. All the weed's gone. And um, my kids walk in the door. And when they walked in the door, I looked at them. I was like, how did you get so big? Where, where have I been? They've really only been gone a week. Yeah, a weekend. weekend. A weekend. But it, I saw them in a different light at that yeah. moment. You know what I mean? It's like, they're so big. They're so old. Where have I been? All this time. They were six years old at that time. You know, and it's like, man, I've been a good dad, but no, I haven't. I haven't really been there, been yeah. there, you know? I've been in that fog. Yeah, I've been in a fog. And uh, the fog was starting to lift a little bit at that time, you know? And, um, so uh, the next day, I was like, I'm going to quit this stuff, you know. And um, I was dope sick all day, laying on the couch, didn't do nothing. Uh, the next day, um, October 5th, um, I was dope sick as hell, laying on the couch. And just I just literally screamed out as loud as I could, God, help me, please. It's the first time I think I'd ever said an out, out, uh, out loud prayer, you yeah. know. I said it so loud, I scared my dog. It ran upstairs. Yeah. And um, 
uh, a friend had stopped by and he usually had pain meds I, I knew and and I was seeing if I could get one or two from him you know which would barely even do anything but right. maybe not throw up as much but um, he didn't have any and I almost told him and then uh, as soon as he left I called up a buddy that I had taken to um, the brook a year prior for uh, heroin even a year clean of heroin and that's how I would help, try to help myself was I would help other people that had addictions. You know, I would try to help them out is how I, I'm not that bad, you know. So um, uh, I called him up and I was like, hey, man, I, I, he helped me with my truck, working on my truck not too long ago. And I was like, man, I got noise on my truck. Is there any way you can come over and look at it? He's like, yeah, man, when I get off work, I'll come over and look at it and we'll get it fixed up. I'm like, all right, cool. And I was like, is there any way you can come now? He was like, Shane, what's wrong? I said, I'm addicted to pain meds. And at that moment was the first time I had said it, you know, and I knew it was out there now, you right. know, yeah. but as soon as I said it, it felt like the way the world was lifted off me. Like, okay, this is real. You know, I've said this and, um, he's like, well, you know, when I get off work, I'll come over and we'll, we'll talk to your wife. Like you helped me with mine. And, and my wife calls and I was like, there she is, man. I'm going to talk to her and tell her now. He's like, all right, you do what you got to do, and you call me later. I was like, all right. So I click over, and um, my wife's like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm sick, baby. She's like, what do you mean you're sick? I was like, I'm I'm really sick. And she thought I had cancer. And uh, she says, is it cancer? I said, no. I'm addicted to pain meds. And she passed out. She passed out at work. I didn't want to tell her at work, but she, I was like, just can you come home? You know, And, and she couldn't, and I, and I told her, and she passed out. And um, she gets herself together, and she comes home. And uh, in the meantime, I had called two of my guys and told them that I would get them from occasionally that um, I, 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 I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I won't be calling you. You all probably get calls, so just be prepared. You yeah, know? right. Yeah. Um, going to be going through my phone, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're and... going to be doing all that. So um, my wife got home, and... Uh, we talked for about 30 minutes. Um, I told her, you know, what I wanted to do. I told her, I was like, hey, I'm going to the brook to seek out help. Um, do whatever you got to do to pay the bills, but I got to do me right now. If I don't do me, I'm not going to be here anymore. Because when I was on that couch, I was debating on running upstairs and pulling the trigger. It just ended the whole show, man. I was done. I did not know what to do. And uh, so we're sitting there talking. I was like, I'm going to go. And she's like, well, don't you want to see the kids? The kids were going to be home in like five minutes from the bus. I'm like, no, I'm done. I, I want to get there now. I want to go now, now, now. You know, I, I saw that window of opportunity, and I wanted it. Yeah. It closes uh, fast, too, yeah, man. It does. You didn't know that then. Not yet. Well, something did. But. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I didn't even pack a bag, man. I jumped in my truck and uh, took off. And uh, on my way there, the third guy I would get him from, the main guy I would always get him from, called me up. Or I called him, and he answered, and he's like, hey, man, I was going to call you. I got 10. I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm headed to rehab. Mm. Uh, you won't be hearing from me anymore, man. It's by some calls. So um, that that was a pivotal moment for me, man, because at first my body, my body told me, you need those, man. You're so sick right now, you know. And, and then I thought about it. I was like, if I take these right now, what is that going to do, you know? 
is going to take the cravings away right now, but it's going to start over, you know, because I've done that so many times. I yeah. get like seven, eight, ten days, you know, of feeling good and then go back at it and like, why'd I do that, you yeah. know? Yeah, knowing that really you kind of, you're over the hump on that physical yeah. side of things, the real bad part, you know, exactly. that all that, that weird shit that's telling you you need it but the real sickness is over by that time yeah and you know you're gonna start it over again as soon as you take some more as soon as i take one yeah it always happened every time i'd i'd get a few days under my belt i'd take one and right back at it but not this time not this time i was like you know what no i'm good you know and i got to the brook and uh the one i went to they didn't have any beds and they called the other one and uh they had a bed and i went over there and checked myself in and it's funny because I was like, man, I hope I don't see somebody I know in here, you know, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I sat down inside, I saw a girl I knew from high school working in there. I was like, oh, great. Now oh, it's yes, going to be all over Facebook. Yes, and, you she know, worked there. Yeah, she worked there. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God. Now it's going to be all over Facebook. Everybody's going to know, you know, because I didn't know how this stuff worked, you know. Yeah. And um, so uh, they, I, I get checked in, and uh, the first night uh, I couldn't sleep, you know, uh, Next day, I was laid in bed and uh, trying to sleep. And I remember, this is one of those, you know, God shot moments for me was I was laying there trying to sleep and all of a sudden I felt this like leg cocked over me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Hmm. I my eyes and I looked to my left and it's my friend, my dead friend that died a year prior of a heroin overdose. Look at me right in my face with a big smile and said, I'm glad you're here, bro. Wow. Still see him smiling at me. Oh, that was that was a cool moment for me. That I knew I was on the right path, doing the right thing. Something, something's going on here. Yeah, you know. And uh, I got up that day and uh, started doing things so I could get out of the room. You know, because they had you on lockdown. You know, you had to eat your everything right there. You couldn't go do anything. So um, I wanted to get out of my little room or whatever. So. Um, They had a little art class that day, and uh, I went in there, and they gave us a piece of paper and told us to draw four colors that represented how how we felt. So I had a black piece of paper with a white crayon, and uh, I drew a circle with a cross in it, and um, I left the first little pie area as black as the paper. The second one, I actually colored black. The third one I colored black with a little bit of white just to make it like a dark, dark gray. And the next one I did white because I didn't know what else to do. And then I put a little blue dot in the middle. And then uh, the lady started going around asking what the colors mean. And she got to mean. She's like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well, all I see is darkness, you know. I don't see any light. So I, the first one I was left as dark as the paper. The next one I colored, you know, black. And the next one just a little lighter. And I didn't know what else to do. So I put white. And she said, what's that blue dot? I said, that's my hope today. Mm. That's all I had at that time. Right. And I started crying, dude. You know, I was like, what is going on? And, uh, so uh, I took that painting and I hung it over my bed and uh, kept it there. And uh, my wife called that day. And I went and called her back. And uh first thing she said to me was, I fucking hate you. You're a fucking junkie. You only see your kids on supervised visits, and it's fucking over. And my wife never talked to me. Those are exact words. She never talked to me like that ever, you know. But I knew she was talking out of pain from all the things I've done to her, and she was finding stuff out, you yeah. know. And it was sinking in. It was sinking in, man. All yeah. the truth was coming yeah. to light. Yeah, for sure. She was finding out all these things I'm 
money I owed people and things like that. And probably putting some of the stories together, like yeah. the old stuff about the piggy bank money and other things. And yeah, everything's coming full circle. You know, all, all everything's coming to light. You know, yeah. and um, I knew she was just talking out of pain at the time, and my higher power said it was going to be okay. You know, I had that feeling over me, and I just let her talk. You know, and I was like, look, I'm gonna be an open book with you. I said, whatever you want to know, I'll tell you the truth. But when you ask me, be prepared for, you know, what you hear because I'm gonna tell you exactly what happened. So every day she would call me after that and ask me questions, and I would answer them truthfully, you know. And um, it's funny, one of the nurses there is a good friend of mine now, and uh, um, she said, you know, I always knew when you were on the phone that was a big trigger for you because you would get so upset after you got the phone with your wife, you know, and. Um, I would be, but I would hold my composure while I was on the phone with her. But afterwards, I would just break down, man. You know, it, it sucked. And um, so um, I was there for five days, and they were ready to kick me out. <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready to go yet, you know. And uh, uh, I thought I was going to be in there a little longer than uh, five days. And uh, they they decided they, I could stay till you know, for eight days. Um, I'd uh, Another God shot was uh, – one morning I'd woke up in there and uh, the song Sooner or Later Gotta Cut You Down by Johnny Cash um, was a, a big song for me when I was out in my madness that, you know, I knew one day all this stuff would be over for me as far as the crap I was going through and, you know, it'd be over, you know, and that song meant a lot to me and I wanted to hear it really bad and I couldn't remember the damn name of it, you know, at the time and me and this guy were talking about it and we're like, he's like, it's Johnny Cash Black. I was like, yeah, that's it, it's Johnny Cash Black. And, we asked so the somebody, name of the song is Black? So, yes, this is what we thought at the time. Thought okay? it was. They thought it was, okay? And the reason I say thought is because it comes full circle in a second. Okay. Um, so it, we're like, it's Johnny Cash Black. So we go to um, uh, art class and ask them if they play it. And they said no. And um, so we go to our next class afterwards. And this lady comes in and says, open your page. Open your book. She has opened a book and said, open up to page 53. I'll never forget the page. And, what kind of book was it? Uh, it? It was some kind of like recovery book, but it was like, you know, to we were going to read out of it and do something. On the top of the page, it said Johnny Cash Black. And it, as soon as I saw that, everybody else saw it too, and they heard me talking about it. part of the text in the book. Yeah, it's right on. Yeah, it's part of the text. Not somebody book. wrote it in there. Not or like somebody it. wrote it. It was directly on top of the page, and everybody's uh, like, oh my God, that guy's been talking about that song all day. She's like, yeah. well, that's kind of weird. You know, I, I just told y'all to open that page. I didn't know what page we were going to do. I just flipped it open. I thought we'd be good to start here, you know. Wow. So we're like, can we play that song? So she starts playing Johnny Cash Black. I was like, well, that's not the song. It wasn't the song, but that's what we thought it was, and that's what was on top of that page, you know, and that was like, so crazy to me. But she ended up playing. We figured out the name, and she ended up playing that song for me, man. I cried the whole time, man. It was awesome. Um, what do you know what song it was? Uh, sooner or later, gotta cut you down. That's what it's, the that's name the name of, of the called, song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. too familiar with. Uh, it's a good one. Y'all check it out. I like I it a lot. Uh, it's not one of my recovery songs. There's a couple I have that, are like my recovery songs, that mean a lot to me because of yeah. my recovery. Yeah. Um. So, uh, day eight gets there, and by that time, I'd been talking to my wife every day. Uh, my friends had been talking to her. her family had been talking to her, and um, I was able to go home. I was able to go back to my home where my wife and kids were and stay there, you know. And uh, I remember when I first got home, it was like walking on eggshells, you know, because all the crap I'd done. Yep. I felt so horrible about everything, but couldn't wait to see them, you know. I missed them so much. 
And uh, my wife had told my kids that I was on uh, out of town for work on a big plumbing job in Lexington, is what she told them. And I uh, told all the neighbors that too, you know, because everybody's wondering where I was. And um, so I uh, uh, got home and the first thing I did that night, they told me I needed to go to a meeting. So um, I went to a meeting that night. I found a meeting that was downtown and uh, I drove all the way down there. And on the way there, my pain management called to remind me I had an appointment the next day to get my scription filled. Um, as I'm driving downtown, I pull up next to my dope man. Oh, yeah. Out of the blue. just He's right there at the corner of a Walgreens. There's a Walgreens right there and a liquor store. All these things are like, here it is. It's right here. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't go for it, you know. It was like um, it was trying to call me. And I was like, fuck you, yeah. you know. And I went to my first meeting that night. It was an NA meeting. And... Um, uh, I don't remember much about it. I just remember walking in and getting a hug. That was about it, you know, tell my story a little bit. And the next day I started an ILP class uh, at the Brook, and uh, that's where I met Christopher. And um, uh, took his class in ILP. And um, while we were in there, they said, he said, you know, you have to take, or you have to go to four AA meetings a week or else your insurance does not pay for your uh, your right, ILP, yeah, yeah. which I don't think is the case. I think well, that's yeah, just what I thought heard. about that. Yeah, it's probably fact of the matter is, is is if you're not complying with the treatment plan, then insurance won't pay for it. And mm-hmm. if the treatment plan is part of that, is X many days of or X many meetings, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and uh, then then yeah, that's uh, that is a thing hanging over your head. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I was like, all right, I'll go to A because my friend that was a year clear of heroin never went to any meetings you know so i was like if he could do it i could do it you know i didn't know what the meetings were what anything you know so um and who the hell wants to go to a meeting right yeah right yeah they were already having to come to this damn place every morning yep (laughs) exactly exactly so i mean exactly how much do i got to do yeah 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 because i didn't know how this works what do you mean no yeah so um i i started going to meetings and i remember the first meetings i went to that you know, I was just sitting there, you know, and staring at the clock, staring at the walls, complying, you know. I was all up in my fucking head. And um, I remember it was um, Christopher had said something about, you know, y'all need to get sponsors and things like that, you know. And I remember the second day of IOP, I asked him to be my sponsor because I wanted what he had, you know. And he's like, well, I can't do that, you know, contra- you know, because I'm your counselor. Yeah, conflict you know? of interest. Yeah, conflict that. of interest. I can't do that. He's like, okay. So um, he, had, I said, well, who's the best out there? Because I wanted to find the best. And uh, he told me uh, Burns B. So um, I said, okay, well, I'm asking him tonight to be my sponsor. He said, you're going to go ask Burns to be your sponsor. And I said, yeah. So I went home. I wrote a letter. And uh, I was going to ask him to be my sponsor that night. Put in your application? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, uh I went and did that. I met him that night out in the parking lot, and uh, he had said, hey, you know, um, I've got a lot of sponsees right now. You need to find somebody that can spend a lot of time with you. And he said, find somebody and bring them to me, and I'll tell you if they're good or not. It's like, all right. So um, about uh, it was about the seventh AA meeting I was in. Um, I was sitting there, and somebody was reading the promises. Never forget it. And uh all of a sudden, something clicked in my head. 
It's like, that sounds really, really good. And uh, from that moment on, I started looking every person in the eye that was speaking after that. Uh, and uh, that's how I got out of my own head. And everything started sounding good. It was my story. You know, they were telling my story and how they got through it, you know. And it started making sense, man. And um, that's when it started kicking into gear. So right after that um, meeting, there was a guy in there, and I'd walked up to him. I was like, hey, man, how do you find a sponsor in here? He said, well, you know, um, at, at the beginning of the meeting, sometimes I'll ask and say, is anybody willing to sponsor? And we'll raise our hands, like me. And he raised his hand, and uh, he had the same dragon tattoo on his forearm as my dad does from the 70s. And I took that from a sign from my higher power and asked him to be my temporary sponsor at the time. Was your dad in the military? No. Mm-mm. No. Uh, well, he says, but not on paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know why, but I like uh, there's a certain, like the, all the tattoos the guys are getting in the last bunch of years, you know, but like the, our dad's generations or whatever, you know, but a lot of them, they come out military. Right, yeah. Tattoos. My dad was a big biker. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you always you had yeah. some kind of like, you know, uh, just regular Joes just didn't necessarily have tattoos. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, he said, yeah, and uh, he wanted me to meet him at this meeting uh, at, at Tuesday night. And I said, all right. So I went to that meeting, and um, when I walk in, he's sitting next to Burns. And uh, Burns sees me, and he looks up, and he points at my temporary sponsor and looks at me and gives me a big thumbs up. Give you a thumbs up. So Bet I'm like, him. wow. Gave him the A-OK. Yeah. So um, I, I asked him to be my permanent sponsor and I started working the 12 steps with him. And uh, I did not do them perfectly. I did the first one perfectly because that's the only one you have to. And that's, I mean, you're powerless over alcohol in your life and become unmanageable. Right. You know, and um, that was easy for me at the time because I knew my life was unmanageable and I knew I was powerless over that stuff, man. I knew I could not put none of it in me or else it was over again. You know, it just starts over and over and over. So, um, I, I did the steps to the best of my ability at that time with that sponsor and he helped save my life, you know? And, um, uh, let's see, it was about 60 days in, uh, working the steps with them. Uh, I remember this morning, like it was yesterday. Um, I was laying in bed and my wife rolled over and hugged me said I love you and I hope this never changes and that's the first time she had said I love you in 60 days to me yeah you know through all that crap I and mean, we told each other we love each other a lot all the time you know and, and it would hurt me that I didn't feel that love you know at that time because I messed up bad and I didn't know if I was going to get that love back and yeah. I did you know and yeah, it they just had felt to, so great it's like an insult they had to like put on a layer of insulation yeah thing, you know because they don't know where you're going with yeah. that man and they got to do some self-protection yeah for sure uh, yeah i totally get it it's not that the feelings aren't there anymore mm-hmm. but man they gotta they have to go and they go they go into self-defense mode yeah because i was i mean i was a liar as a thief everything you know i stole their security yep you know um so um that that's when i knew that we were going to be okay you know, and uh, I, like I said, continued doing the steps. And um, uh, I was four months sober. I, I, I finished the 12 steps with my, my first sponsor. And um, uh, he had asked me if I wanted to come out to the prison and speak because he would take a meeting out to the prison and speak. Yeah, and, that's uh, very cool. I said, all right, let's do it, you know. So my first time speaking was at a prison in front of 150 prisoners. Wow. Which, man, it, it, it was awesome. It really was. Um, 
And uh, he knew the promises meant a lot to me because every meeting I would go into, I would read the promises. So when we got in there, I was like, hey, man, can I read the promises in there? He's like, well, they do it a little differently here. So we go in there, and they come to the promises, and they start chanting the promises. And, man, it got me so juiced up. I felt like a gladiator going in for the fight, man. It was so freaking awesome. And I look over at him. He's got this big cheese on his face because he knew it. He just, knew what you were walking oh, into. Oh, yeah. man. He knew it would juice me up, man. It was so freaking cool. And I spoke for 45 minutes in front of 150 prisoners. Wow, man. Yeah. Broke in right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, at least it's cap- well, it was heard. It's a captive audience. Yeah. yeah. And, they really uh, wanted to hear what I had to say. And there uh, is actually people who are, that's generally, at least from what I understand, people that are like that, they actually have signed up to go. Oh, yeah. yeah they yeah. wanted they to go. Want there are people who want recovery. Yeah, they so it's not like you're getting this. I've spoken at jail where they made people go. Yeah, they didn't have to. And uh, they, well, these people were like, get points. You know, they got to have, they get to go smoke and they got to, you know, they got stuff. They got pay right basically for going so they didn't necessarily want to be there yeah uh that was a little bit a little bit more difficult but it wasn't no cry crowd not that kind of number this is like a dozen or two yeah and so uh did that and um i i I just remember it i felt so good after that and being able to tell my story yeah and and, uh, have people come up to me afterwards and thank me for telling my story man that was awesome i felt so good yeah it's so, a super honor super juicy it's yes. just uh man it does a lot for for guys it does a lot for your soul man and um or it does a lot for anybody yeah it's a guy but the gals <laughs> get the same yeah they get it too um so uh let's see let's move on up to about six months sober uh my wife and i go to um san dustin florida for um um spring break it was my first sober vacation and leading up to that a friend of mine knew i was going down there and he had a friend that lived down there so uh i called that guy up, asked him to be my temporary sponsor while i was in florida so i had an, an actual person in florida to be my sponsor and asked him to take me to some meetings yeah and uh, got down there and first day um my wife and i went down to the beach and we were having a great day and um just enjoying life for the first time really you know, on on a, my first sober vacation, you know, I just felt like a little kid, man. It was fucking right. awesome. And uh, my wife and I are set up on the beach, and um, I looked over at her, and uh, it was a beautiful day, man. It was so beautiful. And uh, I looked over at her. I said, you remember that that blue dot story I told you, that painting I drew in the book? She said, yeah, why? From the rehab. From the rehab, yeah. She, I said, look up. She looked up at the sky. She said, what? I said, that's my hope today. Yeah, man. <laughs> it still touches me every time I tell that story, man. Um, so uh, that day, uh, uh, that guy picked me up and took me to a meeting down there. So I tell my blue dot story there, you know. And uh, when I got done telling, there was about 75 people in that room. Uh, about 30 of them were crying when wow. I got done. Yeah. I was really emotional at that time, you know. And I was crying the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it was really cool, and uh, and I, the story's so raw at that point too. Yeah. You know? So it's so yeah. You know, I know some of the things that I've had happen, and as I tell them and tell them and tell them, there's yeah, a little bit it of loses its power a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it still gets me a little emotional, but not like yeah, it right, did that right. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it still has power, just not yes. like that raw energy from when it's fresh. Yeah, and uh, so this guy came up to me during the meeting. I had a Wu Tang shirt on. I'm a big Wu Tang fan, and uh, he. Uh, came up to me and showed me his Wu-Tang tattoo on his arm. And 
I show him mine on my neck and it's like what? So after the meeting, we we uh, meet up and we talk and we just came like instant best friends. You know what I mean? Uh, had a common bond and yeah. um, so I started going to that meeting every morning and um, for the whole week. And uh, I remember the second day I was there, I noticed this guy sitting next to me, and then the next day he starts sitting next to me. It's a different guy, and uh, we'd start talking, and he's like, "Man, every time you speak, I get." goosebumps mm. I, like, I call those god shots man i was like that's cool that's cool you know he had uh he was coming up on 60 days sober um he lived in a homeless shelter and he, they were busting him there every morning and um so uh i was leaving on sunday and uh he was going to get his 60 days on friday and uh or on saturday and um so friday i was like hey man i um, I'll be here to get you, you know, you'll get your 60 day token tomorrow. He's like, well, um, tomorrow we won't be here. The bus takes us somewhere else tomorrow. I was like, oh man. So, uh, I was like, here, man, why don't you take this? And I gave him my six month token because April fool's day was my six months. And I gave him my blue token, you know, yeah. I was like, you keep that until you get yours, you know? And, uh, we cried, hugged, you know, and it was a real cool experience. And, um, so I go back to that meeting the next day. And sure enough, there he is. For some reason, the bus, you know, <laughs> brought him brought to him that meeting here. that day, you know, which was really Same cool. meeting? Same meeting, yeah. And uh, so, um, I, and I was already giving out chips that day. I, they'd asked me to give out chips. So I got to give him his 60-day uh, token. And uh, I kind of told that little story that I had given him my blue dot my blue token the day before because yeah. I thought he wasn't going to be there that day and, and uh, we both cried and hugged and then somebody's like see that's what this is about you know thinking about the next person you know because those chips aren't just for us they're for everybody you know I don't, ha I don't have very many of my chips don't you? <laughs> yeah I've, I've given almost all of them away you know through our home group I've had my stack of uh, that trip from zero to, to, to 12. 12 or 11 yeah uh, obviously I have my one years but uh mm -hmm. Or, but I have that that sits on my dresser in there in my bedroom. We're still yep. those those stacked up in order. Yep. And uh, I still have a few. I've not not too many because I've given like I said, given a lot of them away. Um, even my one year, you know. Um, but uh, man, it's been a hell of a ride so far. Um, so coming up, um, when I got back from Florida. Uh, I, I talked to my counselor again. I was like, so when are you going to sponsor me? And uh, he was like, why do you want me to sponsor you? He said, like, don't blow you know, smoke up my skirt. He's like, tell me why you want me to sponsor you. I was like, man, I've wanted what you've got since the day one. You know, you got something different I want. <laughs> um, I said, the book you're writing. I said, the second day I was in the brook, you were talking about this book. And I said, in that class that day, I didn't even know what your book was about, nothing, you know. Um, I almost had, like, tunnel vision, man. I was looking at, at, at Christopher, and, and everything was just bright around him, and it was just, like, tunnel vision, where all I could see was his face and his glow around him. I was like, man, there's something about this dude, man. And there's something about this book that I need to be a part of. I don't know what it is. And that was the second day in the, you know, IOP. Yeah. I had this thought you know the first day i met him it made an impression on me it was in a it was in a meeting but mm -hmm. uh, uh he was he you know he was just sharing like mm -hmm. any old joe would in a meeting you know i didn't know anything about his background or anything but it certainly lit me up right off the right out of the gates also yeah 
And uh, I told him about that. And he's like, well, why don't you why don't you go and pray about it? And I'll pray about it for a week. And uh, we'll come back and see what the conclusion is. Like, All right, cool. So I did pray on it. And my conclusion was it wasn't right time. And uh, we go back that next Thursday. And I said, you know, Shane, I, I prayed about it. And it doesn't feel like it's the right time. I said, I'm glad you said that. I said, because I did too. And it doesn't feel right. And I hope you don't think I'm just saying it because you said it. You know what I mean? He said, no, I understand. And um, so I was like, we'll just try it some other time, you know. So we went on, and I was coming up on my one year, and um, he he approached me this time. He's like, are you ready for me to sponsor you? And I was like, yeah. And uh, he's like, well, this is what I want you to do. And he started to tell me his things about how to um, switch sponsors, you know. And I was like, oh, hold on, hold on, not yet. I was like, uh, I'm coming up on my year. I was like, I want to give my sponsor the honor of giving my one-year token. But um, after that day, um, you're going to be my sponsor from there on. It's like, that's honorable. I like that. Cool. So, um, you know, I would, uh, I'd talked to him about what to do on how to tell my sponsor, you know. And um, so uh, a week or two before my one year, my sponsor called me, and he needed a ride to get his truck because he was in the shop. I'm like, this is a perfect time. We'll be in the truck for like 30 minutes. We'll have some time to talk and, you know. I can tell him, you know, so um, we're driving to get his truck, and I told him, I was like, hey, man, first off, I just want to tell you, I love you so much for what you've done for me, man. You have saved my life, and thank you so much. I said, uh, I'm going to ask somebody else to be my sponsor, and I told him it's Christopher, you know, and um, I told him that uh, I'm going to do the 12 steps again, and he thought it was fucking awesome. You know, he's like, Dude, that is so cool that you're going to do that. And I, that's how I knew it immediately was a good decision, you know. Right. And, and and even if he would have said, you know, what? You know, if he would have got mad about it, I would have known it was a good decision too, you know, yeah, because right. you shouldn't feel like that. You know, you should want the best for everybody, you know. If yeah, there's a sp on. speaker name, and uh, he, he introduces himself uh, as first and last name on speaker tape, so mm -hmm. I figure I can say his also. Uh, right. And uh, I guess I... Well, I think I will. His name is Scott Lee, and he I pick up a lot of things from him. One of the things he says is he wish he prays that every one of his sponsees uh, outgrow him spiritually. Yes, you know. So I mean, when you're when you're when you got a guy and uh, and and he wants to go learn more from some other teacher, it's really an honor to you. That's yeah. actually a compliment to you. Yeah, for rather sure. than you know taking on some kind of negative connotation of that, you know, and mm -hmm. that would be, uh, it's kind of like a you know it's double edged, you know. I'm not it's not double edged. So like if he would have been mad. Because he was joyous for you, you knew it was the right solution. Had he been mad, you knew it was the right solution, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is. And I still hope for that every day, you know, that, that guys would would want to go on and, and learn from other people. Yeah. And, and we also, you know, just because you want to do that, too, doesn't mean you necessarily have to lose that sponsor either. Yeah. You can take like a temporary hiatus from a sponsor and go learn from another and come back to this one if that's what you want to do. You're right. in a good relationship, but a healthy sponsee sponsor relationship ought to be able to be operate like that. Yep, exactly. We don't have to uh, get all wound up in ego about who's sponsoring who. Exactly. Because yeah, we're all sponsoring each other, really. Right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm on one year. Um, he gave me my token, and you know we yep. said a lot of cool things to each other. And uh, he even said, and, "I and, was there." Yeah, yeah, you were. And uh, you gave me my own symbol that night. That was really cool too. That you had handcrafted in your wood shop. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, I still got that hanging on my mantle, or not hanging, sitting on my mantle. And uh, so then, 
No, actually, no. That wasn't my ohm symbol. That was, was the the, the, the cookies with the one one yep. on them, and it probably has ohm symbol on the backside of it. Yes, the, yep. the yep. coin looking thing out of wood. Yep, yep. Uh, you gave me the ohm right before my second. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, he even said that night. He's like, you know what? And and Shane is uh, now. Uh, switching sponsors and i understand christopher's gonna be a sponsor right, right. and it was really cool was. the way he he said that too it was awesome like, all above board no negative energy whatsoever yeah. you know it was actually a joy like i said it was a celebration thing rather than yeah yeah it was cool shit like the passing of the guard you know it was really cool man and uh so i started uh doing the steps with christopher and uh man uh i couldn't wait to do them with him man uh start reading his book uh, um and uh, working the steps through through his book and uh, 12 Steps Spiritual Recovery. Um, and uh, my life has <laughs> become a lot better. <laughs> uh, uh, did a, a very thorough fourth and fifth step. Uh, all the steps, really. I mean, uh, very thoroughly. He broke it down methodically. And, uh, man, broke it down layman's terms where anybody can do it man because i'm not a very smart dude you know in my opinion you know yeah. uh, you are but yeah. i get what you mean um it simplifies it and uh, but at the same so. time you know uh you know at the same time you say that though it also uh there's an element of heightened difficulty so to speak maybe that's not it's deeper let's say that it's yes. got more depth in it than yes. so you know even though it's a simplified way of doing it it certainly is uh digs a lot deeper at least it did for uh, me yeah for me too yeah I've, I've, I've found out all kinds of stuff about myself and um i dug up a lot of crap that i'd buried that i'd totally forgotten about you know and and was able he taught me how to get rid of that crap and um it's how much juice do you want to wring out of the steps and, yeah. and that, that particular way uh is a is a is a optimized one of the optimized ways to bring as much juice out of the work as you can possibly get. For sure. Um, I know you've worked him several times through his book as well, and uh, um, I've watched that progress too. It's amazing to watch yeah. you grow. And then turn around and be able to deliver it to somebody else because, yeah. you know, I thought I was special. That I would get it because that's just who I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then when I deliver it to other people uh, from various walks of life, you know, from uh, guys who were really successful to begin with to a guy who was homeless, you know, mm -hmm. same results on both people, you know, yeah. and, and, and other ones in between too. So, uh, yeah, it's a, we, have a, we have a toolbox. Uh, there's a valuable toolbox, absolutely. For sure. Um, and to be able to watch your people you affect, you know, teach them the way you were taught. And to watch, I get to watch my sponsees change uh, right in front of my eyes, um, teach them the way I was taught. You right. know? And, man, that's amazing. Um, the other day, as a matter of fact, I had one former sponsee uh, speak uh, before me. And uh, I was I was to come up after him. And that was the first time. I was like, wow, how do I, how do I say something better than that? You know what I mean? That, that feeling that you get as a sponsee talking after your sponsor or somebody you really admire, you know, yeah. like, how do I, how do I top that? You know, yeah. not that you're trying to top somebody, but like, how do you speak after somebody like that just spoke? Yeah. And that was one of my sponsors, you know, former sponsees that, that spoke. I was like, man, that was awesome. I even told him that afterwards. And, He's like he almost came to tears, you know. It was it was cool. He's like, man, don't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that that was a cool pivotal moment for me too, man, to, to watch that growth too, you know. Um, another guy, um, 
he he's only got just a little over 100 days now and he just made his second amends on friday cool. to his girlfriend and it went awesome and you know he called me afterwards and told me all the juice it was just a really cool moment for him and he just man he's on fire dude that's another thing that's happening too you know it's uh you're watching people really get a lot of growth in a really short amount of time. I mean, you're talking about, you know, within, you know, let's just say we'll cut it to that to inside of six months, you know, yes. and even short of that. Uh, yeah. You know, I had a couple guys get 90 the other night, you mm-hmm. know, picked up 90 day chip. And one of them is going to do a fist step tomorrow night. Nice. And, uh, and so, yeah, you just watching, you know, that transformation happening so quick. really quickly, you yeah. know, getting a lot of traction in their life and a lot of, uh, you know, and, you know, I didn't get that kind of traction because I've been around. I was I was around for a little bit before this time around. You know, yeah. went back out and stuff. Uh, but I never got what you know. That's where I compare the two things to now is what I what happened to me then. Now I know that wasn't that necessarily wasn't all that fault. Maybe some of that was a lot. Most of that was me putting down the tools because tools work if you work them. It doesn't right. make any difference. Yep. Uh, but but but. Uh, but I see there is certainly a big difference in what I see going on around us today compared to what I'm seeing uh, in some other places. And, and, and I certainly don't mean to knock any of that. That's not my point. You know that. And hopefully mm-hmm. all the audience understands that too. But uh, this optimized way of doing this work is getting guys, you know, they're, uh, they're getting this, this. Happiness a lot quicker. Yeah, they're getting that happy, <laughs> joyous, and free. Yeah inside of six months time you know they're actually free you know getting the steps worked and being you know completely transformed men yeah in under six months yep that's what happened to me too yeah i I, i'd work my steps in about five months four four or five months i always say that thing if i'd if i'd known i was going to be telling these stories i'd have kept better track right Uh, Uh, i I know that yeah i was uh i actually keep track of my guys now I actually do in my calendar and my phone. Right. I tell I, I know when we did a first step, when, when, when I first met with them, when we first started, mm. when we did a third step, when we did a fourth step, nice. when we did a fifth step. And I keep some notes, you know, to cool. like, and then like when we hit page 164 in the book kind of thing. Right. Uh, I don't really measure amends because that's a little bit of a intangible, you know, mm. uh, what you, you know, that's, that is certainly part of that higher power stuff of when you get to do all those, you know, I don't right. know, to say a guy's done all of his amends would be a stretch. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so I keep track of my guys today because uh, I wish I'd have kept track of me. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I know. Yeah, and I can give that to these guys later on. Exactly, you know, it's like yeah. proof, so that way they can say when they're working with a new guy, here's what happened to me, and here's the timeline where I'm a little, you know, my timeline was a little thing. foggy. Yeah. Was, uh, I, I, because I was on home incarceration and I knew some other things about some timelines, uh, I can kind of halfway piece that together and know about when that was. But yeah, um, not that it. You know, not that that really matters, but my point there is, is that guys are wandering around thinking they're going to have to spend, you know, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? It just seems too far down the road. Mm-hmm. And when you can put some tangible thing on there and like basically a guarantee, <coughs> hey, you do what I say, you walk this path the way that I'm, the way that we have it prescribed here, mm-hmm. and you'll be a free man in four or five months. Yep. And it's most of that's up life. to you and how hard you want to work. Yep. It is. Because I won't hold you back. Uh-uh. I, will, I will let you fly. <laughs> do what you want. Yeah. So we will <laughs> yeah, work on four step every you night. Want, you know, we'll do you that. Want, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny you, you were talking about dates. I remember uh, when I finished the 12, when I, you never finished them, but you know, when I stepped out with my sponsor. Was, uh, I always say my trip through. There you go. Your trip through uh, January 29th of uh, 17 was when I finished the 12 steps with my sponsor. And ironically, um, 
that was the same date that I lost my virginity. It was on January twenty ninth. <laughs> you know, and not the same year, but you know, years years prior. But you I sure? Thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was ironic though. That you know. Yeah, I'm surprised you can remember that. I wouldn't. That's another one of them dates. I don't have any. I can tell you right where I was at, but I, I got no freaking idea when. Yeah, it was. I'm, I, I always remember. No, great, I was like in. that. Yeah, but um, I always remember those kind of things. Um, the the important times in my life. Um, Let's see. That part was coming up. Uh, I, I just thought about that. The, the four months, and then there was something else in between that period I was going to tell you about, too. The changes. Um, now I drew a blank. Uh, were you thinking about some of the cool stuff that happened to you? Yeah, I'll do Thank you. There you go. Um, that's exactly what it was. Uh, right around that four month period was when, uh, one day I was driving down the road and, uh, my wife, I, you know, we were doing really good at that time and I wanted to go get her some flowers. And, uh, I was like, well, she won't want me to spend the money right now, you know, on, on flowers. And plus they die. She always said, well, it's a waste of money. They die. So no more than I thought that, um, there's a bouquet of flowers in the middle of the road. And I literally stop in the middle of 42, a busy road, and get out and get these flowers. I get back in my truck, and I'm driving along. Not only is it a bouquet of flowers, it's a bouquet of artificial flowers. You know, yeah. that won't die. And they're perfect shape. And I drove straight to my wife's work and gave them to her. And, dude, I was laughing like a madman the whole way. I was like, I can't believe this shit. You know, <laughs> look what God just gave me. You know, I started seeing those signs, and the signs I see – every day now you know that i i was blind before I yeah that's see. part of that awakening that mm-hmm. that you know that uh, awareness that you know sp- uh, that we, that we get along with this is that our eyes are open of these steps right eyes are open to be able to see things and it's uh one of the one of the huge gifts of that that i was taught that uh, that crispr has a particular gift for is to be able to see stuff for what it really is rather than us trying to like discount you know i've got this thing in my life when stuff happens i will i've always wanted to like discount right. it right instead of actually weighing it for what it's really worth and see what uh, it is yeah everything know, that, happens the, for the, a reason yeah the, we have that little running joke thing where he says you know what that is don't you whenever something is going on back when i didn't know what it was and he would say you know what that is don't you and i would <clears throat> try to make some kind of spiritual uh significance out of it or something you know and he'd say you know the oh, oh stop the the correct answer when your sponsor asks you that question is no i don't why don't you tell me and uh so now today we can do that a lot and we don't even have to really even explain anymore because we just say you know what that is don't you and we just smile and <laughs> yeah. uh, having that awakening thing is uh certainly part of the miracle and the promises sure. so um i also know that you write some poetry yeah, and uh, that happened around the same time too. It was probably um, that was about a month after I, I finished the twelve steps. I got it written in a book. I, I got the dates and everything, times when this stuff happens to me. But I'd started doing meditation, and um, I'd never meditated before in my life uh, up until that point. And um, I started doing it. And um, one night I was laying in bed, and um, I couldn't sleep, and it was 1230 at night, and I started meditating, and all of a sudden, the word reliance, it looked like it was written on a chalkboard. Yeah. You know, I was like, what is that? You know, and, and 
I say something said go right, but I mean, I didn't actually hear a voice say go right. You know, it's like, I, I can't explain that, you know? And I was like, what? Go right. And so I, I jumped out of bed and I ran downstairs and grabbed my notebook and I just banged out this poem. And I start crying. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, where'd that come from? Because I'd never read poetry before in my life. I never wrote poetry. I didn't like to read at the time. You know, nothing, you know. I was like, what is this, you know? So um, it, it started happening frequently after that, you know. And and uh, I never meditated to make it happen or try to make it happen. I just, when it happened, it, the only way I can describe it is like uh, words just fall in my head. And I just have to get it on paper as quick as I can before it's gone. And uh, I, I, for the first year, I kept this notebook on me, you know, like 24-7 pretty much. I'd carry it everywhere with me just in case it happened so I could write it down, you know. And uh, like I said, it, it happened during meditation, but I, I started doing like driving meditation and, and walking meditations and stuff like that, trying all kinds of different meditations. And uh, it would happen when I was driving, you know, I had to pull off the side of the road and write it out real quick and uh, that one, that one was a really cool one. I'm, I'm going to tell that one. Uh, I was on my way to a meeting one day and, um, uh, all of a sudden these, these words just start, like I said, falling in my head and I'm like, what? so I pull on the side road and I wrote out this poem real quick and I put a, I put a, a title on top of it. It was titled swamped. And, um, so I go on and I get to this meeting and I take my notebook in with me and I sit down to this, uh, table and, um, it was a, a step study and, uh, so they have all these books all over the table, and you sit down in a random chair, random book, you know. And they said, uh, open up to such and such page, it was step four. Well, I had not done a proper step four yet at that time, you know. And I was step four and five. And it was it was messing with me because I hadn't got rid of all that stuff yet, mm, yeah. you know. and Still holding, still carrying some things. Still carrying a lot of things. And um, like I said, I didn't do a very thorough one the first time around. So um, I opened it up. And on the top of that page, my name is written in my handwriting in the top of that page. I'm oh, like, really? What the hell? So I took a picture of it. I took a picture of it. The next page, the top line, the word swamped is right there. I was like, well, that's a sign to read this poem in here today. So I did. And it, uh, it goes like this. Uh, Lane stagnant in the swamps of despair, where I wallowed in the muck of pride, self-pity, and fear. The sunlight of the spirit flows through me. You know what? We're going to have to edit that one. Because, uh, yeah, I just messed that up. <laughs> um, as we rain from... Yeah, I'm all messed up now. I'm all flustered, got stage fright or something. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. But, yeah, yeah. Um, laying stagnant in the swamps of despair where I wallowed in the muck of pride, self-pity, and fear. The sunlight of the spirit evaporates me. As I rain from the ground up, I now realize I'm no longer bottom of the barrel, but of top shelf self. Floating on pink clouds, I rain down through cloud nine, where the sunlight of spirit flows through me, casting rainbows of hope for all to see. That one. Very cool, man. Thank you, yeah, man. There won't be no edit needed. Yeah. We're not, we don't, we don't, we don't deal <laughs> right? in perfection anymore. Yeah, no, it's progress, not perfection, man. Uh, I, that's I, a I, lot to remember, man. And I know you remember, you've memorized some things that, uh, but, but that's, that's, that's. Yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes. And especially if you haven't said that one in a while, you know, and, and cause I, I've gotten a lot of people that ask me to, 
to to Sam and things like that, or you know, and and I, I try to remember them now, you know, but there's so many of them now. It's like right, right. I can't remember half of them, but um, yeah, to retain them all in memory would be pretty difficult, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So I I I read that one in there because of everything that happened. Man, it was so many God shots, and I and then I read that and told him the story of how that just happened on the way here, and my name's in the top of this book, and his title's on the next. What is this? You know. Yeah. It's my higher power, you know. It, it was just—it was just really cool how he was showing me all these signs and what things were, you know. <laughs> it's really cool stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I enjoy—I enjoy writing the poetry and stuff. And it doesn't happen as often now, but the uh, to me, they're—they're they're deeper, more meaningful now. Um, and but like I said, they don't happen very often. Um, so, um, yeah, um, <laughs> the, 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 the poetry thing is, is something that I'm kind of looking into a little bit. Um, I been, think, yeah, and uh, you cer certainly should uh, continue to develop that. And, uh, you know, as I said, uh, I was actually, and I don't know how really how to, I, I, I messed this up when I want to say it, but I'll just try to speak as freely as I can. You know, first time you did it, I actually cringed a little bit because I thought, oh, man. You know, and I really look, you know, I, one thing I was impressed that you were actually had the wherewithal to like to do that in front of everybody because that takes a lot of guts to lay yourself out in that vulnerability right. of saying, okay, here's some of my work and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and tell you all it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I was a little bit, you know, I was afraid of like, you know, a bombing kind of thing for you, you know, right. I like felt for you. I was like, <laughs> oh man, please, please, please don't let that. But, uh, it's also cool stuff that, uh, you know, that, that obviously was alleviated immediately and, uh, you could see the, the impact that you make when you do get an opportunity yeah. to read one and and what you know the feedback from the folks that get to hear it and stuff so uh you know obviously i'm hoping you're keeping all that stuff oh yeah yeah i got full notebooks we now. got another friend that's been writing a little bit of stuff and even though it's like been posts on on our little group chat thing uh some of us poetic enough and from the heart enough i was like you know you need to like keep that stuff in the yeah. notebook do something save it in word documents do something to keep that man because right. uh I think you got a gift there that, yeah. that that's developing and, you know, maybe it's going to be a, you know, I don't know. I kind of, I had a vision thing, you know, and our sponsor does that too, you know, and I'm like, hold on, you know, I, I, but I'm like, Hey, I could see this like turning into uh like with you, a book of poetry kind of stuff where you got right. these poems and things. Uh, you know, I could see this guy having this book of like essays, right. You know, just essays from the heart kind of thing, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. not necessarily a book of like a continuous thing. Right. But uh, yeah, man, everybody's got these gifts, and they and they they do they, they get polished up and and start shining in recovery. It's one yeah. of the things you see. It's a common trait you see with everybody, and I've said that to uh, sponsors. Talked me talked taught me that, and I started identifying it that guys that have a certain again, I don't know what other word to use than a certain level of recovery. A level. I don't really know what kind of real word yeah, to put on it. There's always more though. But it's people. Yeah, there's always more. <laughs> but but you see these these ones that's got this certain shine. Yeah. And and one thing I've noticed and it was pointed out to me by my sponsor, I see it today, oh, that awareness thing we were talking about, is they have some kind of creative art in their life. Mm -hmm. Be it writing or my woodworking or right. uh, Darren's painting. Right. Uh, Christopher's writing. Mm -hmm. You know, other people uh, got a buddy who's a cook. I think that's a you know that's a creative yeah, art you know sure. it's yeah. no doubt you know so you see these things where these people have developed these and, yes. and that creative edge seems to be one of the parts of it you know um you can be good at what you do that's one thing but it seems that this that there's a creative edge to some things that seems to be required i'm not i'm not sure how to 
you know, haven't fully developed that theory completely. Right. Uh, but I, I do have a feeling, I do have a thing that says that uh, people need to have something creative to do that they are not dependent on anybody else yeah. to help them do, you know? So, you know, if you need help doing it, you kind of screwed in a way because when that person or them other people ain't around right and, and then like i imagine at some level when you're sitting doing that kind of stuff there's a well you say you do it meditating mm -hmm. but there's a meditative property to these things that people who paint or write or i, right. know I feel that way when i'm doing woodwork when i disappear out here and time just disappears on me yep. you're in that zone that flow yeah uh, and you get that moment it's a, it's a cool moment i i just had an experience not too long i was at a gethsemane monastery uh with a sponsee um we went out there the day before my home group went out there to take a, a meeting out um, out there and uh, we dropped his fifth fifth step out there in six and seven and uh, actually the writer Thomas Merton is buried there right and, Barstown Kentucky yeah, Gethsemane, Barstown, Gethsemane Kentucky. Uh, the Abbey of Gethsemane yeah Abbey of Gethsemane and uh, uh, that day uh, after that um, I was in my room meditating and uh, I was about two hours in and uh, I had a really cool meditation, and it was like um, waves coming up on a beach uh, with words, but they were written in Sanskrit. Hmm. And and the words weren't in the sand; they were like floating on top of the water and just like staying on top of the sand. It was really cool, and I was like, I guess that's a sign to write. So I went over and sat down at my table and uh, just wrote out a page of just thoughts, and no, no, like it wasn't like poetry or anything like that, but it was just thoughts of a higher power and things like that. And, it was it was a really cool experience too, man. But like I said, it, it gets deeper and different every time I uh, I, I do it, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to see where it goes. Yeah, me too, <laughs> me too, man. Well, uh, I think that's about all I got for tonight, man. Well, we had a really good talk. I thought yeah. it was uh, your story just blows me away the uh, the depth and the and the courage that was available to you, you know, and we know that power comes from someplace else, but that is, you know, I always hear that thing, you know, you said a few things of where, you know, you knew some things, but you didn't really, right? You know mm -hmm. it looking in the rearview mirror. That's yeah. a typical thing. We sit here and you like, you wake up again and you see that, right. how that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, you don't got clue, right? You're freaking clueless. Right. Uh, but down the road, it becomes uh, a... So then, you know, that's also that tool where whenever that same kind of stuff happens and you're a new guy, you can point that out to him today, you know, because you go yep. that don't discount that dude, yep. you know, because he just wants to just move right on yeah. by it, you know, and we can uh, we can help our guys grow through that, yep. too, because that helps that that whole coming to believe thing that this thing is really operating in your yeah. life. You know, I mean, that's that's like step two forever is to yes. continue to see this <laughs> stuff happening and yeah. and know it and believe it. And you said another word is really important to me is that reliance because mm -hmm. that's what we're doing here. We're trying to learn to rely on this power that yeah. that's available to us. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, my prayers always say that I want to deepen my relationship with my higher power, yep. but more than that, really, I want to deepen that reliance, mm -hmm. you know, uh, on it. Uh, yep. um, so yeah, we've had a good talk. We've, uh, got a good, good piece of content here, man. I'm looking forward to continuing these podcasts. We will have, um, um we do have, uh, a domain name that is spiritualunderground.org. Uh, exactly how it's spelled i know it's a lot of letters but it's spiritual underground it is our home group and what we this podcast is named after and then uh we have that domain we're gonna have show notes on there you can look up a pictures of us uh so they can kind of put a face with the name on that and uh 
Also, the links to the podcast there. All podcasts are on all the major things now. Uh, that wasn't the case up until now. This will be the first time I can actually announce that on the on the air Jeez. here. <laughs> yeah, so it's on your Apple and your uh, Google Play and 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 all the different. Uh, I think there's six or so of the main podcasting uh, outlets. Uh, obviously, the ones on the Android phones and the iPhones are the two big ones. But that is juice, you know, and uh, the things we're getting to do and spread this thing. Uh, yeah. I continue, you know, continue to be amazed, yeah. continue to be amazed. And we got bigger news coming down the pike too. You know, I don't want to too much. Can't really let the cat out of the bag on that too much, but uh, we'll <laughs> flirt with it a little bit and tease you. So maybe you'll keep on listening to this podcast too. And, uh, to and come. it will be talked about there. Well, it's going to be more to come. So I uh, really appreciate you to death, man. Appreciate love you, you to death. You, uh, like I said, man, it's like, uh, I really got that. I have a visual, you know, of like the the wrist cutting blood brother kind of oh, thing, yeah. you know. For sure, me uh, too. Of uh, actually uh, doing the battle together and having the same tools and some different, you know, we obviously have the same sponsor too. So that's uh, that's where we're sponsy brothers yes, for real for in sure. that in that regard <laughs> yeah. too. So for there's sure. certainly something to all that, and we uh, I'll kind of end on a couple of notes. You know, we uh. Man, I have the best home group in the entire world, and if you don't think yours is, you need to go find yours. Yep. I have the best sponsor in the universe, and if you don't think yours is, you need to go find yours because they're out there for you. Uh, you are your only limitation. So true. Cool, man. Appreciate it, Shane. We'll be back on the air again. Shane's been on these before. Uh, he'll be on them again. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night.